Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And we have a great show for you tonight. A triple header. It is a triple header. We have Joker, Zombieland, Double Tap, and The Lighthouse. It is a horror, suspense-filled night. Yeah, uh, now that you say it, all three movies have certainly elements of horror in them. Absolutely. But it's October. It's the season for It's that. your holiday, Adam. It's your it season, is. man. This I'm having is, a great month. This is your wheelhouse. How many how many horror films do you think you will see in the month of October? Well, I mean, we have to take into account, I was at Telluride, and I'm also heading to Nightmares Film Festival. <laughs> so, 30 or more. <laughs> and if you don't mind, uh, if you're listening for the first time, the, fil- the uh, film coder, we're just a general movie podcast, a couple guys that love film, love to talk about film, and uh, Adam loves to go attend festivals. And so just give us a quick rundown of your, of your last one. Oh, yeah. So I'm just getting back from the Telluride Horror Show. This was my first ever journey out to Telluride, which is in Telluride, Colorado. And it was just a blast. It's in the beautiful town. I don't think there's a film festival in America with a better vista in terms of what you can walk out of the theater and see. Now, you're going to spend most of your time in a dark theater. But, hey, when you're outside, it's mountains, it's nature, it's the leaves all turning to their fall colors. Just beautiful environment. Yep. And and you re- you kind of le- you really got to stay in a nice like kind of a condo. It's the off season up there, yeah. so I got this insane place for a very reasonable rate. It was three bedrooms. I was by myself. I, I mean, I could have slept in a different bed every night, but yeah, I mean, very reasonable rate for the off season. So so what you're telling me, Adam, is that you spent all day in the movie theater watching horror films, That's only correct. only to get in your car and slowly drive up to the top of a mountain. <laughs> staying in a big old house condo f- thing with everybody else it empty everywhere else yeah so the the caretaker told me i was the only one around that weekend so there were about nine units in one building and it was just me <laughs> it's the closest i've ever been to a shining situation i guess <laughs> just i just so didn't funny. have a typewriter i wasn't I was, talking i was going to say this is like the, sh- the next shining film so <laughs> yeah. It didn't even dawn on me until someone pointed out, like, you went to a horror festival and you spent your time alone on top of a mountain by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> didn't spook me or anything. Hey, that's dedication for your craft right here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got to stress how high up I was, because Telluride's altitude is around 8,500. And then I was staying almost another 1,000 feet above Telluride, because I had to drive up this mountain to what's called Mountain Village. And if you ask Siri how, how high up you are right now in the altitude, I was 9,750. I'm 250 feet shy of where they tell you you can turn your electronics on on an airplane. Oh, my gosh. That's, like, nuts, man. And there's 30% less air. <laughs> so that is an issue in Telluride. Some people do have to do oxygen treatments or other stuff. You can get altitude sickness. Yeah. Um, I just went to a minute clinic, and you can actually get some pills that help with that. So I took them the whole time, and I had no issue. That's good. But, yeah, Telluride's a blast. I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Yep. And uh, before we jump into our films, this is going to be a, a, a fun-filled podcast t- tonight, but uh, we have something else, another festival coming up this week, right? I'm not going to get to sleep this week. <laughs> so you've heard me talk about this before. Nightmares Film Festival in Columbus, Ohio at the Gateway Film Center starts on Thursday, Thursday night. Once Thursday hits, it is nonstop till Sunday. Yep, absolutely. And what's your? You have an actual official role yep. with with uh, with nightmares. Tell us about it. I am the midnight lead. 
So we have directors and programmers. I, I review a lot of the midnight submissions. I propose a slate. You know, we work to get these films here. And we're very excited to show these films to everyone. I think we have a great lineup. I think we have 24 feature films, a lot of regional premieres, and it's just incredible. And, and the good stuff starts really early. Sometimes at festivals, you don't see the best stuff at 9 a.m. Here we're showing Daniel Isn't Real at 9 a.m. on Friday. One of the best films I've seen all year. Wow, that's exciting. And, uh, I, you know, I, I was able to go last year. I'm going to try to make a movie or two this year, but have a scheduling conflict. But... uh I, I would just say if you're a horror fan, if you like horror films, man, this is a great weekend. It's worth every penny you will spend for admission to get in. So if there's even badges left, it usually sells out. They're sold out. There's individual tickets left. So you can see if there's some movies you're interested in seeing. And, you know, the programmers and the staff there will help you find what you like. We have horror comedies, thrillers, paranormal, home invasion. If there's a genre you're looking for in horror, we have it. The whole motto behind Nightmares Film Festival is better horror. And we really want to bring it to you and show you the wide range of what's available in this genre. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, uh, we have three films to uh, go over. The first one is a controversial film. It is setting box office records, um, and it's and it's Joker. And so why don't we listen in to a little bit of, of Joker, and when we come back, we'll break it down. You're listening to The Film Coterie. Arthur, does it help to have someone to talk to? My mother always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. She told me I had a purpose to bring laughter and joy to the world. Is it just me? Or is it getting crazier out there? Okay, we're back, and our first film of the evening is Joker, the new film from Todd Phillips starring Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. And this is the first time in DC history, at least as far as a film goes, that we've seen an origin for the character of Joker. Now, whether or not this fits into the bigger DCU, that's a gray area. They're all describing this movie as a one-off, saying you may very well see different Jokers. This Joker may not be in the new Batman film. We don't know. But this is a character study, one-piece, one-off Joker film. Yeah. And um, it's setting all kinds of records. I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds, six, seven hundred million dollars. Probably will go over a billion if it hasn't already by this podcast. Yeah, it has a good shot of hitting a billion worldwide. Yeah. Um, and been very controversial, um, very polarizing, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people either love it or they hate it. Um, there's, And this can only drive the ticket fury, in my opinion. You know, reports, people are getting up and walking out of the Joker, you know, and all of this, you know, stuff that's going on. And I know that my wife, who's not a film junkie or whatsoever, but just kind of follows pop culture as a whole, you know, she was like, well, I would, you, I'm not going to see no Joker. You know, why would anybody go see this movie that just, it's just about inciting violence and, you know, and society today and all the pr- troubles we're having, you know. And so there's that whole side of people that are like, we shouldn't even be making movies like this kind of a deal. But I can't judge that for art. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Art is art. You know what I'm saying? It's not. Well, I, and, and, I mean, we should point out there was fear before this movie released. We're now 
roughly three weeks into its release. Right. There was fear. There was extra police, everything else. And as we sit here today, there's been no real incidents outside of a few disturbances. There's been no violence. So whether or not that fear was justified, we don't know. It, it doesn't seem so. Um, this didn't create anyone to go. We didn't have a repeat of the Aurora, Colorado shooting or any other real scares in the theaters. So for those who are not going to see the Joker or have or, or maybe are going to see the Joker, we're not going to get into huge spoilers here. Um, but let me just kind of give you the IMD synopsis so you kind of have an idea. Uh, it's in Gotham City, and there's a mentally troubled comedian named, comedian named Arthur Fleck. Uh, he is disregarded, and he's mistreated by society. Uh, he then embarks on a downward spiral of revolution and bloody crime, and this path brings him face-to-face with his alter ego, the Joker. So that's kind of the synopsis of kind of what this film roughly is about. I don't think it at all encapsulates all that this film is. Um, but, yeah, it's the Joker origin story. It is, uh, what, where did this guy come from? How, what caused him to become like, you know, he is? And I have to say, a lot of that origin from this director, specifically Todd Phillips and from the writers, it's we're going to put this in gritty realism. We're going to take an urban inner city, you know, call it Gotham. It could be New York City. And the time frame not specified. It looks late 70s. Looks like it's, yeah, exactly, late 70s when 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 New York slash Gotham was dirty and trash everywhere in the subway. Adult theaters in Times adult Square. Adult theaters in Times Square. The whole nine yards. And out of this comes this guy who's 30 years old, Arthur Fleck, that just has a lot of issues, a lot of past, mental issues, um, has a condition where he laughs uncontrollably. Um, even the more emotional and even sad he gets, he will burst out in laughter, you know. And um, very interesting film, Adam, you know. Um, I have to say, just from my perspective, I wasn't crazy. I, I can't say I was crazy about the film, but there's no argument the performance of Joaquin Phoenix is just off the charts good. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. I have a lot of problems with the film as a whole. Okay. Um, and, and the two big ones, let me just throw out the two big brushes that, that are my biggest issues with the film. Number one is I, I just personally don't like a gritty, realistic Joker origin story. That's just not for me. I don't want my Joker to be... You know, a, a mentally challenged, um, you know, um, uh, realistic situation that caused him to be, you know, Joker to me is this over the top. He is a super villain, over the top, funny kind of, I don't know. I just, just watching this movie and watching Arthur Fleck, I never could see a Joker in him from the Joker that I know, you know. Now I will say part of my part of my um, maybe my my feelings toward the film have to do with I raised a son that that is you know has some challenges you know sure. developmental challenges so maybe this hit a little too close to home for me I guess you would say uh, so that bothered me a little bit but but trying to even remove those pieces what I didn't like about the film was I didn't think it had real connective tissue I thought there were a lot of great scenes. 
but none of them it's just I felt like I was looking at a stack of pancakes it's just like a good scene and then they stack another another scene and then another scene I never felt like it was all the same product you know I didn't follow the path I look at the the Joker that we see when the curtain is opened you know the the, the Arthur Fleck we see when the curtain is opened at the end and the Arthur Fleck we see kind of toward the beginning and I don't see a whole lot of growth between those two just me personally um, so, you know, I, 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 I gave this film a three out of five stars just cause Joaquin's Phoenix performance. If he, if he was playing somebody not called the Joker and he was playing somebody else, I would be like, whoa, this is just, it's just an incredible performance. Yeah. So I'm more positive on the film than Roger. Um, the concerns are certainly valid. I, I've seen a lot of people argue online, not even argue, just state their position that they worry about these films showing, you know, the mentally ill person is just one missed prescription or dose away from turning into a mastermind of criminal behavior. You know, because Joker has even mentioned he's on eight eight different medications, and he right. goes off of it. Yeah. The city's social services fail him, people fail him, and he turns into something else. The city creates Joker out of this. So there is certainly a concern for those that worry about this type of villain being portrayed as right. a mental illness is, is inevitably bringing them to this point. But I, I did really like this film. I think I'm, I'm going to give it four or four and a half stars. And I'm, I'm not going to be shocked if Joaquin gets a nomination for this. I think I, he's going to be in all yeah. the major year-end award talk. No, I won't be shocked. It, it, it is absolutely a brilliant performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I and the other thing that just really, there's just a lot of things about this, making it, tying it to DC and tying it to Batman and tying it to the Joker, I just had issues with. I hated the portrayal of Thomas Wayne in this film. Okay. You know, that's not the Thomas Wayne that I know. He's he's the he's the the standard, the bull, the, the 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 person that you know wanted to do good and got robbed of that just you know from a senseless tragedy. This they kind of reimagine that and they make it look like it's he got what was coming to him because he's the man, you know. And oh, it just really graded me wrong. But that's just my—that's my view. That's just Roger's view mm-hmm. of the Batman universe, you know. Yeah, this film borrows very heavily from a Scorsese flick, *The King of Comedy*, with the late-night show host and and the mentally ill protagonist, you know, fixated on that host and the imaginary things that happen. Joker is deranged, and that he sees things that aren't real. You know, you'll see some of that during the film, but there's things that I just love about this setup. I love the fact, and I'm not really spoiling anything here, but the city creates Joker. The city also creates Batman. In this one, it's a nice poetry, yin and yang. Out of all this descent, the city both creates chaos and Joker and order in Batman that's going to come. It's a balancing force. I like a lot of the poetry involved in that creation. Um, one of the things I originally wasn't sure about, the scene you see in the trailer of Joker dancing on the stairs once he's in his outfit, I never would have guessed the song that plays in this. I'm not going to spoil the song. It, it just took me out of the scene. Like, I can't believe they played that. That sounds like jock jams, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Yep. But then later thinking about it, that's what would be in Joker's head. He thinks he's the hero. This is his big moment, his transformation. Yes. I liked that he felt like he was going from the unseen victim of Gotham City to being seen. That's what he realizes at the end in this persona. He is somebody. Not somebody we want, but he's somebody he's finally seen. Yeah, no. 
I hear what you're saying, and and I, you know, I I guess um I just I, I wasn't able to make that same connection, that same that same you know. <laughs> I guess that's one of the few films that maybe we don't see eye to eye on, which yeah. is a rare thing. But uh, no, Joker's certainly divisive. Yeah. Now with the next Batman, we're not for sure. It's rumored it's set in the '80s. Would you want to see Joaquin Phoenix take up this mantle again and play Joker against Robert Pattinson's Batman? We haven't seen him with a foil. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. My gut says no. I, I You know, just because I didn't... I liked... Okay, let me say it this way. I liked Joaquin Phoenix as maniacal Joker actualized at the end of the film. I thought, okay, that's the Joker... You don't know whether it's the, it's the Heath Ledger Joker. He's what kind of what he became at the end, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, you're laughing, but you're kind of on the edge of your seat because you don't know somebody could get killed or something really bad could happen any moment. So I love that Joker. I just did not at all enjoy the journey that got us. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't enjoy seeing how the sausage got made. Yeah. You know, that's just my my thoughts there. And I I would like to see him. I'd like to see a more fully formed Joker because we're just seeing the beginning of his run as Joker. You know, but do you really see? I don't see the super high Q, super high IQ Joker that's kind of needed. Heath Ledger, like without giving us any backstory. I mean, he's just the standard I judge him by. Without so, give us any backstory. You just knew this guy's IQ was off the chart. He was always three steps ahead of everybody. I never got the semblance of that with Arthur Fleck. I think Arthur Fleck's going to be more street smart. I think he's going to learn it in his future as he starts to tussle with the crime families, as he tussles with the cops. I think he's going to develop this and, and become more of a street smart joker in terms of how he approaches them. I mean, he saw how easy it was already to amass followers. You see that in this movie. People are attracted to the image that the Joker brings. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. <laughs> I mean, uh, I will say uh, yes, one of my favorite yes. scenes of the year, and I think it still will be at the end, is the apartment scene with the uh, door lock being just a little bit too high. Great tension. Just a masterfully constructed scene, I thought, where you just don't know what this Joker is going to do. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Absolutely. Okay. Any final thoughts? Um, I'm going to be a. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to have to say pass. I can't, I'm not going to recommend it because I just didn't really, I loved Joaquin's performance, but if you're like a diehard movie guy and you just need to experience that kind of art that just to challenge you, okay, go see it, you know, but I I don't know how many, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the true, I'm not even saying I'm a true doc. I'm just so conflicted about this film. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I don't, uh, it's just not my Joker, you know? I want I want a different kind of Joker. I want Heath Ledger, I want like Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson combined, you know, the, the lunacy of Nicholson and the, the t- frightening terror of Heath Ledger in my Joker. But anyway... Okay, I'm, I'm a definite recommend yeah. on it. I mean, that's why this movie's divisive. I think it's worth seeing on the big screen. I think it looks beautiful. I love the look of the city and everything else. So I, I'd say check it out in the theater if you're curious. And you're, you're going to go one way or the other. It's going to be hard to predict. I, I I don't think you have any other way of finding out if this movie's for you other than seeing it. Right. 
Okay, then that's going to wrap it up for Joker. When we come back, we're going to shift gears and go into Zombieland Double Tap. Why don't we listen in? If you saw the original 2009 Zombie, uh, some of this trailer will sound familiar to you. But let's take a listen in to Zombieland Double Tap here on the Film Coterie Podcast. That means the zombies are coming! Time to nut up or shut up. We need a new line. Let's kick some dicks. Just because it rhymes doesn't make it a great catchphrase. It's her problem. I don't know. I like it when it rhymes. Light him up! Let's go, let's go! Get up to safety! And our next film up is Zombieland Double Tap. And that was a little listen in. Uh, of course, we're 10 years later. Ruben Fleischer directing. And Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and Abigail Breslin are all four back. Uh, they have survived 10 years. And they make no doubt about this. It's been 10 years they've been surviving the zombies in the wild. And... Uh, Along comes uh, uh, some new people, Zoe Dutch and, and uh, Rosier, 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 Rosario. Rosario Dawson. It's easy for me to say. Luke Wilson uh, and several people are back. And uh, Adam, uh, have you, you've seen Zombieland, right? Yes. And I've seen Zombieland. And uh, um, what are your thoughts? I mean, th- I love the original. Just, you know, I thought in 2009 when the original came out, it was kind of at the height or the tail end of the zombie mania, right? Well, we're 10 years later, and they're making another zombie movie. What's left to tell in Zombieland? Well, I mean, we're all a little bit tired of zombies at this point. Um, even though Walking Dead is adding another show, their ratings are down. We're not seeing as many zombie flicks at the theater. I'm, this is good. I'm kind of tired of zombies. With the Zombieland franchise brought to it is just sort of a levity humor let's just have fun with a concept and see a right. movie where they have the zombie kill of the week yep or zombie kill of the year and then have a funny voiceover narration since the original all the four leads have gone on and won awards everywhere oh yeah academy oscars and emmys, emmys and, and yeah. yeah so this cast <laughs> has moved way up in the world in the last 10 years it's fun to see them all get back together they all kind of re-inhabit their old characters this movie is still, as a sequel, very light, very inconsequential. It's just kind of a breezy, fun ride for yeah. this 90 or so minutes. I, I couldn't agree more. This is not, this is just a fun movie. It's just a, okay, it's not going to make a lot of sense, and you, they're going to play the same tropes. Um, I will say most of the beats hit. There are a few that missed, you know, a few jokes that missed in our our showing, but most of the jokes hit. And Woody Harrelson just continues to prove time and time again that he can anchor a film and you can build a cast around him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know he's just so effortlessly charming he's just great he's he's enjoyable to watch and then you have emma stone and abigail breslin and they're still playing off of 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 jesse and woody in the film and so here you have tallahassee columbus wichita and little rock and there's there's you know they they try to throw in uh, a madison wisconsin girl and some other things you know but in the end, it's it's a whole lot more of the same, a little more of a another road trip with the end destination and a final battle that you have to face off. So you know where this movie's going from the very beginning, right? Yeah, I, you're not going to this film for character growth or a big plot. There's very little from the first movie. This is just another 90 minutes with these same characters. You know, hit or miss comedy doesn't offer a lot. It doesn't raise the stakes. It doesn't have any big twists. It's just a horror comedy sequel. Yeah. Now, I started to get a little excited at the beginning of this film because they started talking about different classes of zombies, and I thought, oh, are we going to get a Left for Dead thing here? Are we going to get, like, four or five new classes, new actually evolved zombies? And they try to hint towards that, but it's not really. No. I mean, it's not. there's no real substance there at all. It's a fun ride. It, it's easily watched video on demand it's not something i think you need to see on a big screen whatsoever if you're out and you want to do something a date night and you want to do something fun and you're into zombies and and horror comedy absolutely it's you you will enjoy it but it's not going to be the end of the world if you miss it just to be honest with you yeah it's perfectly fine to catch it home on streaming i will say you need to stay through the credits Yes. One of the best scenes in the whole movie happens right in the middle of the credits. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say thumbs up. I mean, yeah, I'm going to recommend that you see it, whether it's at the theater or on video on demand. How about you, Adam? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, I think it's a solid movie. It's good for a sequel. Let's just say it's not your typical downhill sequel where everything's worse. No. They maintain the level of quality. If you like the first one, very good chance you're going to like this one. Just don't expect anything to be majorly game-changing. Absolutely. That's going to wrap it up for Zombieland Double Tap. We have one last film, and I've been waiting the whole podcast to talk about this one, and that is a film called The Lighthouse. And Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson star in this. Um, I'm very excited to talk about it with you, Adam, since you are the horror expert on this podcast. But I thought we might listen in just to get a little feel of the sound and the music and uh, some, a little bit of what The Lighthouse is about. So let's listen in and we'll come right back. You're listening to The Film Coterie. Tell me, what's a timberman want with being a wiki? Just looking to earn a living. It's like any man. Starting new. On the run. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Why just spill your beans? Why just spill your beans?
have we been on this rock? Five weeks? Two days? Help me to recollect. Okay, we're back for our final film. We're going to be discussing The Lighthouse, the newest film from Robert Eggers. And if you're not familiar with that name, he brought us The Witch, which has been one of the most talked about horror movies in recent years. Oh, which we both loved for different reasons. We both had it near the top of our list for that year. I don't know if it was the very top. It might have been for me, but I know that all three of us were in agreement when that came out. Yep. And so I was very excited to see Robert Eggers' follow-up, his second film. So what is The Lighthouse, Adam? It is a beautifully shot black-and-white film about two lighthouse keepers that are stuck on an island for their month-long shift. Their sanity slips, the weather turns, questions of how long they've been there, everything goes to madness. This is not a mainstream film. And I love the fact that Robert Eggers wants to do these type of films. He's making the movies he wants to make, and they just suck me right in. I saw this at an 8 a.m. press screening at Fantastic Fest. I got up at 6.30, drove across town at 7 in the morning to get here. And for the whole runtime, I was just kind of enraptured by it. I, I saw it tonight at a press screening here in Columbus, packed out press screening, and it appeared to me mutually across the board very well received. <clears throat> I was mesmerized by it. I thought it was excellent. Um, I think the acting is off the chart. I think Willem Dafoe and Robert Patterson both could be nominated for awards, but especially Willem Dafoe in this film, that that guy is just knocks it out of the park. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more that it is beautifully shot and check this out, folks. It's shot in four by three aspect ratio Mm -hmm. square it's a it's shot square like a movie made in the 40s, right? Or even uh, when the TV first came out in four by three, in an age where everybody's trying to go bigger and wider, Robert Eggers is tightening things in and he's squeezing things in, and he's and he's shooting a film where where never hardly ever is the actors fully in the frame. There's always this tension. There's tension in the music. There's tension in the sound effects. Not only are these characters going insane as they watch, the, going down the path of insanity during this movie as it progresses, but even the audience, we're getting pulled along with them and 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 taken to that place of. I, I, th- there was a points at the end of this movie, toward the end of this movie, I didn't know what was going on. You know, I thought maybe I'm losing my mind. Not not in a literal sense, but like. What is what's real and what's not? You know, there's so much that's there's so much um, that's ambiguous about this film that you don't really know what's going on. Is it really? You know, this has been kind of a, a, a cliche. Is it? You know, two days or five weeks? How long have they been there? You know, are they the same person? I mean, you know, old old older version and younger version of the same guy. I mean, you could go on and on, Adam. How? interesting and intricate and worth i think multiple viewings this film is oh yeah i I mean i'm definitely going to check it out again once it comes out locally this is one of the best looking films i've seen all year absolutely the stark black and white just really captures the atmosphere there's fog and there's a glistening wetness to a lot of the stuff and just light and dark all the contrast looks so good in this black and white that they they shot it with real confidence they knew it would look good 
but it looks even better than you'd imagine on the big screen, especially with a, a nice 4K projection or so. Oh yeah, just 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 beautiful. Um, and and it's you, what'd you call it a two hander? There's yeah, two, the, it's these two characters and just it's, two characters. They carry the film. Yeah. Now now you were mentioning before we got started here about how their preparation. I mean, I can't even imagine how you get yourself into the mind of these characters, you know? And you said their preparation method is totally different between the two of them. Yeah, so all the stories coming out of this are really interesting. Um, Defoe is a consummate professional. He likes the table reads. He likes the preparedness. He likes to find the character ahead of time. Robert Pattinson hates prep. He's just a total brat during the prep and pre-prep. He doesn't like the table reads. He was walking out of stuff. He wants to get into the clothing, into the scene, and figure it out. He wants to process it in that moment and get it done. So they were butting heads, but that's that's the point of this movie. You have Defoe's yeah. character, who's the older guy that's done this a lot, and you have Pattinson, who's his first time on this island. I think yeah. it really kind of comes through with them. And, and the director was messing with Pattinson. He was spraying him with a hose over and over again, just getting him agitated, which I think fed into the character. Oh, without a doubt. And, you know, there's so much symbolism, metaphor, mythology. So much is going on with these two characters. The symbolism of a lighthouse and what it stands for, its purpose to bring, you know, who would thought that people who protect and stand at the very place that's supposed to keep people safe would actually bring them to their demise. I mean, there's so much about how the the older the older character uh, will not the old man, which is played by Willem Dafoe, will not allow um, the younger character Ephraim. Thomas is the older guy, and Ephraim is the the younger guy. Thomas will not allow Ephraim up into the light. He won't let him go up and see the light at all. That's his domain. That's what he does, and he keeps it under lock and key, you know. And he sort of worships the light. You see a lot of weird stuff going on at night, and these two characters are working different shifts. So Pattinson's up during the day doing all the prep work, hauling oil, getting the coal up there. And Defoe works at night, so these guys are only usually passing at dinner. Yeah. Uh, in IMDb, there's two words that they use to describe this that are so perfect. This is a hypnotic and a hallucinatory tale. I think that's a perfect way to describe this film. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's something that just draws you in, and you can't turn your eyes from the screen. Yet you feel like, what am I watching? Am I hallucinating as well with these characters? I mean, there's just there's a mermaid and, and, and some symbolism with her and what's going on. And sometimes it's 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 repulsively graphic in nature. You know, we're, we're, I'm wanting to I want to just be like, oh, oh, OK, I didn't. I didn't want to know how that could happen in the real world kind of deal, you know, and th those kind of things. And you're like. I don't know. This film just, I've only seen it once. I saw it tonight, but it just blew me out of the water. I mean, I was like, my goodness, there's just so much going on here. And we got to talk about how good Eggers is at building his atmosphere. Like with The Witch, right away you really felt the isolation and the dread of this family in the woods, and they're going to pay the price for their transgressions. There's a supernatural force coming for him. And in this movie, superstition plays a big part of it. Uh-huh. Sailors have superstitions about what you should or shouldn't do and, and the punishments you may face if you break it. And there's blame and there's what is going on. Is there storm keeping us here? There's there's just so many questions. And you see why, again, that isolation kind of just builds such a thick atmosphere that's so ripe for exploration in these films. 
And one of the things I love about Thomas and Ephraim, Thomas the old man, Ephraim the young man, Thomas has become the lighthouse. He is the, he is, he's been there forever, you know, with several assistants, several seconds as they call them. And then you've got Ephraim, and he is this repressed, angry, carrying a secret, you know, um, just tension, they're always ready to boil. He, he's go, he thinks he's getting away. He thinks he's running from the inner tor- turmoil to go to this island and this lighthouse, and he's just going to put his head down, make his $600 or whatever it was, $6,000. I can't remember what it was. It was a huge amount of money for the 1800s or whenever this is supposedly set. Make his money for the month and move on. And it's in that place of isolation he has to confront himself. Oh, man, the closing scene, the closing scenes of this film is absolutely, I haven't been, I haven't felt such emotion since, since White Heat and James Cagney and I was a teenager and I watched the end, I watched the end of that film, that, that those same, that same feelings came back to me and I was like, this is just, this is why you go to the film movies, man. Yes. And I cannot wait for whatever Robert Eggert does. The rumors are it's going to be a Viking movie or something. Whatever he does, I'm in 150%. So, no secret here. I think you're going to see this on both of our top 10 lists. I mean, I, I don't see I don't any way this how, falls off. I don't know how it could be off my top 10 list. One of the very best films of the year. You have to catch it. It's going to be in theaters here soon. I think it comes to Columbus this week, which is ending the 26th. Yep. So make sure you catch The Lighthouse. Absolutely. I, I don't want to say any more. I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to, There's the superstition, right, coming off the film. I, but, yeah, you need to see The Lighthouse. It will stretch you. It, it will um, affect you. I'm convinced that Robert Eggers is a um, modern-day Hitchcock. Um, he, the way he builds tension, the way he builds scenes is just phenomenal. So I am fully going to recommend The Lighthouse. All right, you're listening to the Film Cuttery Podcast. All right, and we're back. It's time for our coming attractions segment. And so, Adam, what do we have to look forward to in the next couple of weeks here on the Film Coterie? We are going to catch an early screening of Doctor Sleep, one of my most anticipated films of the year, because one, Shining is one of my favorite movies of all time, and two, I'm excited to see what Flanagan is going to do with this uh, subject matter. Neither one of us have read the book, so this will be just our take on the movie. I don't really know what to expect, but the previews have all been solid. I know the runtime is longer than the original Shining, but I'm in for more of it, and I'm I'm just excited to see it. Yeah, I'm inter- I'm interested as well. Um, I've been up and down, hot and cold on this. Um, the last trailer I got a little cold on, but you know what? Trailers you can't really gauge a film by a trailer. So, um, but I'm looking forward to it as well. And of course, we will we will report back. So probably next podcast we're going to get Doctor Sleep, and then a report from Night Nightmares Film Festival. So yep. Yep, I think that's going to wrap it up for us then this week, Adam. If folks want to reach out to us and connect with us, how can they find us on the social medias? 
We're on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, if you just look at the hashtag at Film Coterie. All right, sounds good. We'll see you next time on the Film Coterie Podcast.